everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 8, issue 356. And today we're talking about near Automata. You can play along with the show. We've got some more excellent games coming up that we'll be covering in depth in our traditional fashion. And if you want to play along with the show, give us some feedback and just generally join in the fun. Final Fantasy VIII continues that series. After that, it's Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And then we go back in time for Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Following that, we return to the Zelda series after a while away and we catch up with Breath of the Wild. And then another series that we haven't covered for a while but are attempting to get fully up to date with and possibly forever, Dark Souls. Dark Souls 3. Canarince.com, the full schedule is now up there, both on the website and on the forum. You can get every show a week earlier and in many cases extended compared to non-subscribers by supporting us at patreon.com slash cane and rinse just a dollar a month around about 76 77p depending on the rate of exchange at the time less than a euro you also get an exclusive monthly podcast which is now regularly a couple of hours long you also get uh, format specials three months earlier and our undying gratitude as always we also have a paypal button if you just want to throw a virtual coin into our digital hat also lovely we have three other podcasts now. We're basically the Cane and Rinse Network. It's kind of happened organically. The Sound of Play podcast has been going a long time. That comes out on Wednesdays. We have uh, interviews with composers and play music from games throughout the history of the medium. We also have Playwright, a new edition, a podcast that comes out on Thursdays with Ryan Heyman, Ryan Quintal, and they discuss new game ideas uh, it's a very fun show indeed where they come up with all new concepts based on pitches and titles it's good stuff on fridays we have the sausage factory with chris o'regan where chris interviews the developers behind many of the cool and exciting most often independent games that are coming out so frequently in this modern day and age subscribe review and rate to all of our podcasts if you enjoy one you'll likely enjoy the others on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you use, or any other platform that you like. And follow us on social media, because we are present there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 356, are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Haydu. Glory to mankind. Nice. And Tony Atkins. Automata. Or tomata. Or tomata. <laughs> uh, you can call Ultimata. me Leons. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Platinum Games is the developer, but actually uh, the director is Yakutaro, who continues over from his days with Kavia, which is his previous, uh, previous studio, uh, now defunct, continuing the series he started there. We covered Nier some time ago, the previous game, but of course this game also spins off from his previous Dragon Dragoon or Drakengard or Drakengard series. Uh, and this one came out uh, just a couple of years ago, February 23rd, 2017 in Japan, followed in March in America and PAL territories and on PC as well. And just the last, last summer, last June 2018, the Xbox One edition followed, subtitled Become As Gods, Digital only, I think. Is that everywhere? I don't think there's a physical copy available. Forgive me if I'm wrong or if there's a limited yeah, digital run only. edition. Yeah, it's just a way to get onto their uh, their system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheapest mm. way possible. So yes, you can play it on most current formats. No Switch version as yet. The game reviewed 
very well on PS4 in its initial release and PC, although not many outlets reviewed the PC version. I believe there were a few technical issues with it at launch, which is not uh, not uncommon. But yeah, it reviewed around 89% on PS4. When it reviewed uh, again on Xbox One a year later, uh, it reviewed ever so slightly better, 92%, but that was only like a quarter of the reviews or less, so we, we can't really compare direct. The game has ended up selling a healthy amount, I think three and a half million copies as of last November. Most importantly for this game is a big red spoiler alert with asterisks and an exclamation mark because this is very much a spoilable game. We are going to talk about the endings in particular and the themes behind the game, which is kind of a big deal and a big part of it. So watch out for that. Play it first if you can, if you want to. So our histories with the game. Let's start with uh, poor virus-infected Black Scroll <laughs> Leah. I picked it up uh, on release and played it shortly thereafter. Uh, I had played not the entire series before. Uh, I did play the original Nier uh, back a little bit after that one came out, and I had also played Dragonguard 3, but oh, not the okay. previous two. Right. Um, so the way that I understand it, um, just really briefly, is that... Um, the original Nier is a spinoff of a specific ending of the first Drakengard, and mm -hmm. then Nier Automata is a continuation of a very specific ending of the first Nier. So, right. yeah, it's... Um, and of course, it, there were two Niers as well, which is yes. even more complicated in <laughs> Japan, whereas in the West, we only got the one version of Nier. Yes, um, so, which yeah. I'm sure you guys go into that in, in some detail on the uh, the Nier show, the original the Nier, Nier show. show. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a twisty road to get there, but I, I did have some background going into this. And um, unfortunately, and this is uh, a little bit... Bit disappointing to me before I actually got to finish the game I kind of I, I had it spoiled for me a little bit the very ending oh, um, no. and I wish that I hadn't because I think it would have impacted me harder if I didn't but I even still um, I I really just ended up loving this game and um, I am not uh, in a place right now where I can play the original Nier again because it is mm. not backwards compatible on the Xbox One. Um, no. But I, uh, I, <laughs> I have not yet hooked up one of my uh, previous generation consoles, uh, but I'm, I'm really kind of leaning in that direction because replaying it for this show has just made me want to, uh, to go back. Uh, yeah, Yoko sure. Taro is just such a weird dude and the stuff that he does is just so cool. And so just it's, it's unique. And I, I really appreciate that. So, um, mm. yeah. So Brian, did you day one this? Uh, no, uh, I didn't, to, to be honest, before the release, I didn't know much about it. Um, Nope. If uh, if I remember correctly, in the early 2017, I was awash in a sea of Horizon Zero Dawn and Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was a good place I, to be as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a great place to be. But um, I remember it, it came out, and I remember there was a lot of buzz around the demo at the time because um, the demo mm. was released, and it's kind of that first that opening 45 minutes or hour of the game uh, leading up to the to the first boss fight. So I downloaded that, and I hadn't played it, you know, in because I was playing other titles. And sometime in the middle of May, I just had a spare evening and I and I fired up the demo and I thought, wow, this is really cool. And, and then during the credits, I don't know how I had missed all of this amongst the discussion. I saw, you know, Square Enix produce. I'm like, OK, well, I like them. And then Platinum Games. I'm like, OK, great. That's that's good. And <laughs> I started uh, playing it. I'm like, wow, this is something that, that I'm really interested in. So I, I think I actually started it in June. 
um, early June, according to my trophy history. And I pretty much marathoned it. I, I think I, I got to ending E over the course of maybe, maybe a week and a half. Um, and, and just kind of played through it there. Uh, uh, I do remember at the time um, listening to, to several video game podcasts and reading a lot of news outlets that um, as time went by um, from March you know, for, for a few months, like we like was already mentioned, that it just became like more of the discussion. Like, ha- has anybody has everybody seen this? Do people know where yeah. this goes and kind of how it develops? And I had heard a lot of that. So I, I actually by the time I started, I had some pretty high expectations. So uh, but I yes. I, I kind of marathoned it at the beginning of June and, and got to ending E and. Uh, hadn't gone back to it until uh, replaying it for this um, for this recording, and oh, and, nice. and frankly, I, I I had forgot some of the way that this game made me feel. So it was a nice, it was a really nice game to revisit. Okay, well, I'm glad it's uh, it's fresh for you, Tony. Is it fresh for you? It is fresh. Um, I felt almost a bit of a fraud because I've only just recently played it over the last. Uh, kind of two to three months that's part of what we do it is yes but i mean like everybody it's it it was a game that was very hard to avoid um you know if if you are within you know the social media or if you're listening to podcasts etc then it was certainly in the uh, the end of year conversation um i i just didn't have the time to play it as and when it came out you know there was stuff we were doing for the show you know other games that were taking priority and it's one of those ones you know that you know you you hear it's you need to play it you know, three times and it's like okay well <laughs> yeah i will get round to that um and then it the the thing that spurred me on was the the digital release on the xbox one um it seemed like a a good time to kind of um you know reevaluate that decision had a bit more time uh within the year to to play it um so i jumped onto it there and it, it felt like <laughs> you know it a good t- a good place to support it you know we, we, everyone's always crying out for more of those types of games on that system and it seemed like well i could obviously just pick it up a lot cheaper on on you know uh, the playstation 4 but here would be a good time to actually you know, you know i want these games on this system and i should support it on this system so i paid full price for it um played about six hours for it realized that um you know i got caught up with other stuff and then put it down for a while um <laughs> And then it came back to, I really wanted to play it. Um, I'd avoided so many conversations about this game. Mm. And that's relatively tricky to do. It meant, you know, jumping out of end of year discussions as when it came out. It meant just, you know, yeah. avoiding all topics of every time I saw it come up. And it, it become that point where it was, you know, it, I either spoiled it for myself or I sat down with the game. But it, it was a game that had so much to talk about it that, you know, as and when we came to you know, to look at the the schedule of what we were going to put down, it to me it really jumped out as something that I think was you know was important to discuss and was you know although fresh, there's been some really interesting um, you know narrative around the game. So we popped it onto the list, and that seemed like the good a time as any. So yeah, you know, over the last really six weeks, I kind of been dipping and dipping and out, and then over the last month, I've been well over the last three weeks, I've just been yeah pretty much playing it nonstop and putting it out. 55 hours, I think, into it in the end. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so relatively fresh to the game. But, it, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to avoid the chat of this game. It has been one of those quite, kind of populist games from... And I say kind of from that. I mean, it's a bit... Square Enix, obviously, everybody knows of them. But it, to me, it wasn't... It didn't seem like a game that had been pushed to you know, into the lexicon of the modern culture, um, you know, uh, advertised everywhere. It just seemed to come from nowhere. I may be wrong with that, but that's kind of where, it, you know, Square Enix games normally have a a fairly long lead up time but it it seems to kind of just yeah come and then and then it sold itself through uh through its uh, quality i guess 
Well, so I think we had, it had a strong the pre you know the predecessors have have a very uh, yeah, a strong sure. passionate. I mean, I played. Um, I played near, not all the way through. I have to say, it, it's a game that is, yeah, a little bit diverse, uh, diverse of itself. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't stick with the original here on the 360, um, mm. but I played enough of it to kind of get get a grip. It was it was quite strange. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah. I had familiarity of the system, but I haven't played Dragon Guard or anything like that. Yeah, I was. Uh, my history is I, I was given a copy of Near some time back, but uh, I've yet to play it. I do have it installed on my 360, which is still hooked up. But uh, my intention was to play it before I played this. As it turned out, uh, that eventuality didn't arise. Um, I understood that it wasn't essential. Uh, I didn't get the game at launch. I too was immersed in other things, and uh, I actually was. It was uh, given to me as a gift for the Christmas of 2017. Um, but it stayed basically it stayed pretty much unplayed until uh, we played it for the show uh, so I finished it uh, about a week ago and having played it for a, about 40 hours over the previous few weeks uh, I've seen all the main endings and some of the the well I don't know if you call them joke endings but novelty endings or, or whatever as well uh, and uh, and gone deep never played a dragon dragoon game or Dragon Guard, um, but yeah, curious. Uh, certainly, I was curious to find out what it was all about, and now I have. I think I, I can't. Um, I, I I bet Brian probably feels the same or similar. But um, over the past couple of weeks, especially uh, just in our in our Slack channel for Canaan Rins, it has been a very careful thing to mm. not say too much because yeah. I knew that Tony and Leon had not um, mm. were relatively unspoiled on this and didn't, you know, especially yes. know like how the how the ending went. And mm. I, I just it was kind of like a, I really want you to play this so that we can talk about it. And I don't yeah, want yeah. to say too much, but you should keep going until you hit any E <laughs> yes. at the very yeah. least. And yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was. I, I was very restrained. I didn't say anything I shouldn't. I very, yeah, very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were certain there, there were certain things that the game really telegraphs, and I was thinking, yeah. are these really surprises? But then <laughs> there are some surprises. Uh, but yes, I was very I was both crafty and fortunate in that no, the really the the ultimate payoff or payoffs hadn't been spoiled for me. Mm. So mm. there were certain uh, aspects to the to the conclusion that I was hitherto unaware of. Yeah. I'm not revealing how effective they were at this stage, you'll notice. I like to keep my powder dry. <laughs> uh, so let's first talk visuals, because it's the first thing you see. Uh, Leroy Lemon from the forum says, Neo Automata epitomises a work of art worth ten times the sum of it some of its parts like any impressionist painting automata can appear vague and fuzzy upon close scrutiny of any of its individual components well other than the immaculate soundtrack but seen as a whole it offers a truly unique beautiful and memorable video game experience what really distinguishes the core loop of automata is how seamlessly and fluidly it combines its disparate gameplay styles from 2d platformer to 3d adventure game from bullet hell shooter to action rpg nothing seems tacked on nothing feels out of place and nothing outstays its welcome the hack and slash combat system is clearly the standout gameplay element in isolation. Platinum Games' involvement forming the key distinction between this and the original Nier from 2010. Automata makes good on its predecessor's towering ambitions by grafting Yokotaro's magical madness onto an undeniably stylish and viscerally satisfying game. The sparse and extremely grey semi-open world is a tad underwhelming at first, chock full of invisible walls and slightly buggy geometry. But there's a special moment when the stunning, mournful soundtrack clicks with the dilapidated environment 
and the full weight of the deep existential sadness of the broken world truly hits home. So let's talk about that aesthetic. So I think uh, strikingly sort of stark in some ways. Certainly there are, I would say, elements of the graphics which do look a little, if not previous gen, then certainly at the they don't look at the high end of AAA sort of uh you know high budget production especially mm -hmm. when you look at things like the wildlife in this game compared to mm -hmm. games like red dead redemption where the animals in this are kind of sort of quite simple and comical looking um and similarly the environments the buildings and the grass and everything is not you know the most sort of uh photorealistic you will see uh certainly but overall the look is strong and the the color palette is very distinctive and in you know front and center you've got these um yeah, really quite distinctive, mainly black and white looking androids who are your your protagonists. Um, and I think they're sort of what sticks with you. They wear there's some fairly heavy symbolism when it comes to them wearing black masks over their eyes, which they reveal as things become revealed to them. But actually, the fact that they have these blindfolds is just quite a nice visual flourish, I think, and makes them initially intriguing. They've got these swords which float behind their backs. Um, and so although they are kind of in many ways, they are kind of cliched anime heroes and heroines, um, they have just a little little bit more about them to to intrigue you. Mm -hmm. um, what do you guys think? I'll start with Brian. I think uh, the design itself, echoing what uh, Leo Lemon had to say on the forum, uh, it, it really does have a, a sparseness to it, specifically in, in that first open area where you get to the city ruins and then. After you go to the camp, you kind of go out to the desert, and I, I, I immediately thought this looks like a like a PlayStation Three game to me, and mm -hmm. and just the way mm. that the the building models are, you know, they, they, it's it's the same yeah. rectangular square building with, and and a few of them have that same kind of shack at the top, no details yeah. on the inside, all kind of that blown out, uh, post apocalyptic kind of feel to it, and and black and gray. And at first I, I, I really didn't like it. Uh, I thought the character mm. models were interesting. The, the machines themselves look fantastic. I think they're, they're both funny and at some points terrifying, but they're cute and sinister. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's really, mm. it's, it's really neat how the character models and then how that kind of weaves its way into the story. But as I played along and specifically during my second playthrough, I thought the, the color palette for each area did kind of do a good job at defining what that was. It almost felt like they were working within uh, some within their own limits to say, okay, this might not look the great. Now, this is all supposition, obviously, but uh, <laughs> this this yeah. this might not look fantastically detailed and the greatest. But the the color palettes and the aesthetics and the way they kind of bring in the environmental elements, like the like the kind of the dustiness of the desert and kind of mm. kind of like cones the vision. Um, eventually, gives you the feeling that you're that you're really w moving within a a realized world. And um, so over the course of time, I, I think that those initial details that were kind of not pleasing kind of fall to the wayside, at least in my experience. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, it uh, Most of the game, and, and there are a couple of exceptions to this, uh, and I'm thinking of the, uh, like the um, amusement park area in particular here, but uh, a lot of it has, while it does have different color palettes, it kind of all seems a little bit washed out mm -hmm. and in some places it is intentionally that because if you get injured uh if you are under attack basically anytime there's a lot of stress going on to your character the screen does kind of gray out a bit um mm -hmm. so it, i find it kind of interesting how they they play with that 
saturation mechanic as well. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is post-apocalyptic. It is literally a post-apocalyptic game. This apocalypse has happened where humanity has... Uh, well, the, they tell you that humanity has uh, retreated to the moon and cannot inhabit this world anymore. So you've got these hyper-advanced androids that look like humans, and then you've got these very, very primitive-looking robots. Like, the, mm. the robots really, just in comparison especially, mm. yeah, they they yeah. don't look advanced. They look, um, they look very clunky, kind of um, like, you know... 50s or or 60s yep. type of uh what a robot is uh so that's a cool contrast but um but yeah mostly i think that the it it might not be the most technically advanced uh setup visually but i like the artistic direction that it takes because it 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 seems to kind of work with that monotony uh to kind of emphasize the just kind of what's going on in this world um so on the uh, i would say uh the i think they spent probably more effort time money mm. on the animation the look and the animation of the of the we've already said spoilers three playable characters actually mm. slightly more than three if you mm. include certain little sections where you get to control uh, various robots um in fact you can pack and control most of the robots in the game at some point if that's the way you choose to play it um but I did want to just talk about uh, 2B's design. So 9S, who's the, the male android character, um, is kind of dressed like a page boy. A young I Angus guess. Young. Like, He's wearing cargo shorts, and I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, sort of ninja cargo shorts, yeah. uh, black boots, and a blindfold, and a kind of slightly frilly shirt sort of look. Um Whereas 2B, kind of in the tradition, totally in the tradition of uh, sexy Japanese anime androids is a sexy Japanese anime android wearing almost a French maid's outfit, but with thigh length leather boots. And I gather there was a situation in the demo where people realized they could use the self-destruct to explode her skirt off and display her most of her butt. And then there was this whole thing about people were claiming that you could actually see her anus. And then there was this whole thing about Yokotaro saying, I want you to all send me zip file pictures of every picture you take of 2B's butt. Um, <laughs> so um, there, there's what? also I, well first of all I believe that there is a trophy for actually trying to look up her yeah. skirt yes. um, yeah I, d I missed that one yeah, yeah but also if you do that and I found this out because of the, the speed run that I watched um, it, mm. it apparently um, like she does kind of a motion to shoo you away uh, if you try like to Ashley. spin the camera that way um, mm. yeah so that's the, it, like it it's a little bit third wall breaking and a little bit yeah. odd because I mean these are androids and you know they they it, it's odd because they shouldn't have it, by the terms of the story they shouldn't have any kind of real sex drive essentially they don't have genitals yeah uh, no this is, but we literally see they don't have genitals yeah but, yeah, but at the same time feelings. like you there are all of these like a, a very early conversation with 2B's operator is her talking about uh, how she tried to ask out another operator but the other operator yes. said no and oh, she's yeah. very upset about this because she wanted to go out with this other this other uh, operator and yeah. you know it there's that and plus there is a um uh a spot um pretty late on i think it's uh, during um when you play as 9s and mm. um you're kind of hearing um your your 
I guess it's um, a section where um, you're you're being hacked. I think uh, maybe somebody can correct me on exactly when this is. But isn't this Adam Adam or Eva taunting I think, you? Yeah. I think Adam so. Yeah, and mm. and um, Jay, you can bleep this if you want. But they they specifically say you're thinking about how much you want to f- to be, aren't you? And ah, like, but yeah. that's open to interpretation it because is. it's asterisked out, and it could be kill. Mm, yeah, is, is one I don't think that's it. <laughs> I think in that but, scene uh, in particular, they're, yeah. you know, they're winding him up, aren't they? Who are trying to get into his head. But yes, yeah, and, exactly. And he definitely is, you know, he 9S definitely has the hots for her. Yeah, but I and I mean, he's my trying to get her attention. From... And you could, for a lot of the game, you could say that that's just he wants her approval. But also, I mean, it just... That plus um, one of the scenes that always kind of gets to me is when you very first descend into kind of the um, the area in the desert where the machines are gathered and you see a lot of them together for the first time. If you walk yeah. around and look at what yeah. the machines are doing, some yeah, of them yeah, have children, some sex. of them, yeah, yeah, some of them are trying to simulate sex. So I, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting that they chose such a sexy look for these androids, and and yet you you are left with these questions about well, do they even have any kind of sex drive whatsoever? Are they supposed to? Are they replacing humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it kind of goes into the whole thing. That's first well, my question was to you guys: like, what, what, is, what is the purpose of the design from the from the game developer's point of view? Are they saying something with it, or are they just simply making a sexy game to appeal to people who like games with sexy protagonists with revealing outfits on? Um, I don't know. I think it's probably fine. a combination. Saying, like, I mean, you yeah. know, they they're I. I I want to say that there was a quote somewhere from somebody on the development team. Maybe it was Yoko Taro, and maybe I'm making this up. But um, <laughs> that it's stating, you know, that essentially, yeah, they're sexy robots. So what? People like looking at sexy things. I, and, you know, it's... I, yeah. I, I Sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's a legit... Because she's uh, a, a combat droid. Like, why sure. would she need to... Why, well, no, why, I mean, why would it When you look at the look operator like droids, they all have, like, dominatrix. kind of full-body outfits, and they're wearing veils. Like, that's yeah. that's interesting. And then when you go to the combat droids, yeah. those are the ones that are, you know, wearing the skirts and the high heels, and, like, how are you running on sand well, in I, that? I, I, like, that... I, I'm here to tell you, that does not work. <laughs> and one of the armors you can unlock for her is a much more practical combat outfit as well for, for later in the game. Yeah. Um, and But one of the DLC is a total... And in, in one of the later uh, storylines as well, when you're uh, when you're yeah. out fighting Yorha units, uh, after right, everybody yeah. kind of goes crazy, you're wearing yes, essentially a military uniform. Yeah. Like, why weren't you wearing that the whole time? It seems like it would have been more it's... practical. Yeah, I think in, in story-wise, they're, they're meant to be designed around, obviously, their human maker. So they're meant to be the, you know, yeah. the very best of yeah. you know, the human architect. And I guess, you know, from, from the, the women's point of view, sure, 2B and 2A would be an architectural design of a woman. It, what is, for, to me, that's actually not a problem. Weirdly, I think 9S is, you know, I wouldn't say that's the architectural design of a, a, a man unless... Unless by the time you know, this was all happening, actually the kind of uh, the more kind of the geeky male, the is, androgynous, yeah, look. is the, is but the also more. Uh... He's meant to be. He's kind of a scout reconnaissance is, yeah. guy, rather than a full. So maybe do we ever actually see any Yorha male combat units? No, do they even have so. them? I don't no. think they exist. I think that yeah. they. It seems like the units that they have that are designed for combat and for like the the support units are all the ones that we see are all female. The only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think aside from Adam and Eve, the only male combat unit or the only male unit that we actually see is 9S, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. 
so uh, music then and sound, uh, Jobo Bonobo says, especially worthy of praise is the soundtrack. Its dynamic use of adding and removing instruments or vocals as you travel its environments gives rise to a lovely mix of an ever-evolving sound with some truly memorable underlying melodies. Just humming a few notes from Near Automata and I could tell you where and where it took place in the game. One of the few modern games where, from just one listen, I knew this would be as fondly remembered as the soundtracks of Final Fantasy or Zelda games. Um, the soundtrack throughout it's uh, it's the work of uh, four people mainly uh, one uh, Keiichi Okabe is the, is the main composer there's also some work uh, from uh, a woman whose name I've temporarily forgotten Emmy something who not only sings a lot of the vocals but she actually came up with the what's called the chaos language mm. which is the sort of hybrid language where she sings in these um, sort of not indecipherable syllables basically that create a sound um the idea is that it's this future language that is a, a hybrid of of various international languages yeah. and emmy to evans come up with this that's her name emmy thank you yep. emmy evans and um yeah and i think there's something nice about that in the same way that um i think songs that have uh like la 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 choruses are often very powerful and moving because you can join in with them as a group and feel like you're all kind of you know singing the same tune i think the i think that's the idea of this this language that mm. everybody but nobody speaks kind of thing yeah and that there's a lot of i was desperately trying to pick out the the words for ages and then i realized <laughs> no it's definitely not i can't because i don't i don't speak that language and i couldn't even if i was you know even if it was french or japanese i could probably pick out a few little bits but but it's it's not <laughs> who else enjoyed the music or didn't Maybe no, there's think, a dissenter. I think it's you know one of uh, an incredible soundtrack. I uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 constantly on my phone to listen to. I it, I feel like I listen to it at different uh, points. Like you know, for there's songs in it that get me kind of amped up. Songs that are relaxing. There was a song that I had um, on a playlist that we used to play when my son, when he was an infant, used to fall asleep. Like it just it, it really <laughs> it can hit that whole range of emotions. It really has everything in it to 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 accentuate the story and there's just certain moments in that and, and playing it through i could talk about the music for a long time but they it just like already emotional moments in that game accentuated just by the perfect tune just to kind of resonate and have those emotions hit home it's it's really i think just really well done really well choreographed it's good to know you're already indoctrinating indoctrinating your infant child with existential melancholy yeah, he yeah doesn't, good uh, work he was he was already my son he didn't have a chance <laughs> um my only downside i think of the music mm. um is occasionally i think cause it, it plays a lot within the open world areas that you're you're doing yeah there's um, some there's some loops which yeah loop if, and you, loop and loop. if you happen yeah. to be on a i don't know a a run of doing multiple side quests, you know, yeah. um, and maybe this is more my issue than other people's issue. If you find yourself kind of moving from one area back into another and then back into that area and you see that you hear the kind of the loop of that, that area music yeah. pump in. No, I, mean, I, I it, agree. It yeah. does. It does. <laughs> tiring is the wrong word, but you know, it gets, a, it feels a bit overplayed. Yeah. That's not Classic to say RPG kind yeah, of issue that, really, isn't it? That's not to yeah. say that, you know, when it hits it, doesn't absolutely stellar here it you know it, it really does yeah. you know convey what the scene's trying to get through and it doesn't over convey it just it it blends really well and you know there is times when it it knows to be uh, you know more in the background and other times it knows when to kind of swirl from the background into the foreground as you know something you know more dramatic is happening be it a, a boss fight or you know be it a, 
a story moment. But yeah, there is a, a, a number of loops that, yeah, but by the time I'd finished the game, I was like, yeah, I, I, yep. <laughs> I've yeah, heard that a yeah, few totally. times. There's a big old soundtrack available. Mm. Uh, I believe it's like a three three disc kind of version of it. And it's one um, of those ones that does, it works perfectly outside the game. You know, you can listen to mm. individual tracks and yeah, be... And, and send your kids to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's also on Spotify, about the... which I which I really like. Yeah. Which I've oh, also fantastic. heard that a certain podcast is now on Spotify. As are we. <laughs> well plugged. Um, yes. And how about the the sound effects, the or the, the spot noises, uh, foley, diegetic effects, and all that kind of thing? Um, I feel like, from my point of view, uh, good stuff, solid all round. Nothing necessarily. It wasn't one of those games where you just you know just like the whole soundscape necessarily blows you away and and transports you but like the sa- the combat sounded nice and crunchy the metallic thing mm-hmm. sounded yeah, very metallic and none yeah. of the sound effects stood out as being kind of goofy or or it, it just all it seemed to work all pretty well for me yeah it, it kind of for me it kind of blends in with what i was saying about the uh the machines that were not androids just the robots uh kind of being uh not not necessarily archaic but kind of more basic when they make noises you know they they sound yeah. like older yeah, robots classic. you know they yeah, they, yeah. they make the kind of beeps and boops that older robots do and so i i thought that that was pretty well or and they speak well. in monotone yep, even yeah, when exactly. they so and, and in a way reverberation yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah They've got that sort of um, yeah vocoder type effect, yeah. but what uh, I think it's which actually... is really unnerving when a lot of them start saying it at the same time. Like like <laughs> again, that continue. sequence where the yes, exactly, yes, that is <laughs> that is a um, a a very effective sequence. I found. Yeah, I actually think that there's something it it somehow actually adds to the emotion when they when they are gaining uh, sentiency and, mm. and they are this is what is happening. Uh, androids and robots alike are becoming more human as we would view it, or. Uh, yeah um when they're saying things which are evocative and emotive it's almost more painful to hear them saying it in this what feels like it it feels like they're because they can only speak in this this vintage uh monotone retro robot voice it's almost like they're they're trapped inside they had had to break through their programming which is clearly very much in effect uh in some ways as you can hear from that monotone or from you know their they're very basic side, sort of bodies, but there's the things that they are saying. And I mean, they, 9S makes a, in particular makes a lot of comments towards this effect at the beginning of the game where he's saying, yeah. they, you know, the things that they, they say don't mean feelings. anything. Uh, they don't yeah. have feelings. They're just simulating this. And, you know, they they clearly have something that is going on. And, and that was uh, one of the thing, the first yeah. things that I thought is like, is this really where the story's going? Because mm-hmm. they are telegraphing yeah. this big style. I, I'd have <laughs> to say actually, that as well. The yeah, I think, and overall, the the voice work is is pretty good. But there is some some certainly in the first playthrough. There's some um, voice work from certainly from Nine S. Yeah, I was like, wow, that I mean that that is you know RPG voice. Nine S is a little jerk for um, a game. Yeah, for sure. But he's actually you know perhaps he's yeah he's the kind of yeah uh, I th- I think it's Super Bunny Hop's video which is very good on this so, mm. you know very studied and um academic on the the relationship with the game has with the uh the various philosophers and writers that the mm-hmm. the game uh name checks and 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 brings forward their ideas but 9S is actually the is kind of the the most um the most normal person in the entire game, <laughs> the most human person, and the most you know the most bewildered in a way they they Why represent. Why is the most tormented man? 
they they're the most tormented they represent the, the the player and the human condition but actually yes it is kind of a shame from that perspective that 9s is a bit of a kind of whiny anime douche at times in, in the japanese <laughs> the i did consider pretty, switching to the japanese different. yeah it does feel different yeah I wondered about switching to the Japanese audio, which I believe is on the which is on the disc, um, and play it with subtitles. I wondered if maybe that was it might have the effect of masking some of that sort of. Um, I don't know. I, I actually yeah. really liked the voice acting uh, for the most part, even though Nine yeah. S is kind of, uh, as you say, a uh, a little bit of um, an annoying persona. Uh, he it it fits for him like that's kind of who he is supposed to be he's not supposed to be likable at this point um yeah. and and you know you can argue whether or not he becomes more likable or more relatable during the the course of the game <laughs> but uh it, in particular i thought that uh 2B's voice acting was great uh mm-hmm. and i i don't remember the name of the actress who uh who does her english voice acting but i know that she has done uh, a fair amount of um, like anime and and uh, yeah. and related voiceovers in the past. So um, yeah, I, I think that she does a great job, and so does A two for that matter. Um, yeah. Most most of the voices, I can't think of anybody that I did that I disliked really, uh, voice acting wise. I thought Adam and Eve left something to be desired. I I, mm. I mean that might just been the, that might have been the characters themselves that I didn't They're really caricature like, so well, aren't they? Really yeah. Are. Yeah, I thought the voice acting for them was well, I mean fine, you know, that uh, I thought 2B and 9 uh, 2B and A2 were great, but uh 9S mm. I didn't I didn't find him I was surprised afterwards to find out that a lot of people found him annoying, honestly. Okay. I, I, he didn't annoy me as much as I thought his motivations and perceptions of the machines like varied wildly where he would be in Pascal's village and be like, "Wow, these machines are really getting along." And then they go and the the first time you see Emil he comes out, he's like, that thing's weird, let's kill it, is what he literally says, and so it kind of yeah, goes back and I, forth. Yeah, maybe it's some of the writing at, at that point. Yeah. It, it just felt a bit on on the head, you know, a bit on the money, and like mm. it's clear, like, you know, this is what we're trying to convey to the player. And and thankfully, the game does, you know, it, it almost, you don't know if the game is actually, you know, it wants to be that on the head on the first playthrough to make you feel like, you know, um, you know, whatever you want to feel from from that, but um, yeah, by the end, I think it becomes, I think this this story and obviously the dialogue and and even the voice acting becomes a lot more assured of what they're trying to achieve. But mm. there was yeah. definitely some early beats there. I'm like, I'm I'm not sure <laughs> about this. Um, but yeah, quickly it goes away. Uh, Nick Fontana from the forum says the soundtrack is downright amazing and only gets better as the game progresses. It's beautiful, captivating and haunting in a way that will make some of the songs linger in your mind well after the game ends. Uh, so back on to 9S, Simon Sloth from the forum says one of my main issues with the game was 9S, who I found extremely irritating and compared to the refreshingly strong female leads, his sequences were slightly grating. He comes across like a petulant adolescent with an obsession for 2B, which I found uncomfortable. She struck me as more his older sister or aunt than his peer, which made their interactions off-putting. In addition, replacing the secondary weapon button with the hacking feature takes him to the bottom of my list of favourite playable characters. Well, that sort of takes us into mechanics a little, but yeah. actually those hacking attacks which take you into uh, a a little twin-stick shooter minigame in a sort of... Um, uh, a slightly abstract and surrealist inside the the mind of the machines kind of situation with its own graphics and the sound whatever soundtrack you're listening to turns into a kind of chip tune version mm-hmm. which i think is fa- is fantastic um that those hacking attacks are actually really really powerful they can do the most yes. damage in the game mm. 
However, if you don't like twin stick shooters at all, um, you might come a little unstuck. Now, I would say as a big fan of twin stick shooters, they're fine. These mini games, you can play them outside of the actual the moment as well as in a kind of training or high school situation. They're OK. Like they're not. None of them wildly... are all that difficult. I mean, they're, some of them are, you no. know, a little tricky, but I, mm. I don't think that it I, I don't think that it places too much emphasis on them in the way that like you have to be extremely skilled in that kind of game the only time they get really hard is ending e Um, yeah well that's true yes (laughs) and that's by design so yeah there's a cast of other characters of course as you'd expect fairly extensive uh, many of which well one or two of which uh, refer back to previous games in the series Mm -hmm. such as devola and popular uh, Emil, of course, returns, but uh, many of the key characters, uh, which you can kind of elect to learn more or less about, depending on how much you engage with the side quests. Uh, in some senses, you may just fight them as a boss character and never learn anything more about them. Or if you carefully pick apart the story and uh, look out for the the extras and the cutscenes and the missions, uh, you may find out a lot more about them. Um, but largely, they are named for and reflect uh, the works and lives of various uh, human real life uh, philosophers uh, and some authors as well uh, thinkers and writers from human history um and i guess i th- i think my initial thought was uh, i'm and i'm i'm not academically uh, versed in this stuff obviously i've picked some up through uh, my wide experience in the university of life um but uh my my initial thought was this was one of those games or one of those pieces where the author had a lot of kind of high-minded ideas and wanted to show how well read they were but didn't necessarily have anything to add to the conversation mm. other than well these people existed and they thought this and you make what you want out of it but then it's i've watched some videos and thought a little bit more about it and i wondered if maybe actually what yoko taro and his other co-writers are saying is that actually we revere you guys may completely disagree with this we still study worship almost revere a lot of the works of various well uh, storied and and oft ref, uh, referenced philosophers but actually none of them have said anything which actually meaningfully changes the human condition it's that sort of the idea that um you can do all the kind of postulating and armchair pontificating that you want you can you can come out with fantastic sound bites and quotes which in some way attempt to get you somewhere in terms of understanding what existence is but actually none of it makes any difference when it comes down to it we live we die we fight we breed uh in the end we become dust again and nothing we study nothing that changes means more than the kind of the struggle and the emotion of existing from moment to moment that's that was my kind of overall reading of the game i suppose i had a little bit different read on it um i i do agree that well i do agree that it um it kind of reflects back on kind of everything being a little bit pointless when you when you look at it that way but i kind of took it as a an intentional thing by the machines 
who are kind of still trying to become human and to understand what humanity is. Like you start to mm. get that uh, when, you know, you see them uh, having families and simulating sex and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then you have the robots who, you know, and the one that always sticks out to me is Jean Paul. Um, yeah. And yep. who, who is supposed to stick out to you? Like he's the super obnoxious one that they're like hitting you over yeah, the head with. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, but as in real life, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I, uh, Side note, I um, my ex-boyfriend was a philosophy major, and this is the one time that I missed him. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, but Jean-Paul, um, you know, you my kind of read on that situation, which kind of expands to a lot of the, uh, the philosophy references that they pull in, is that he, you know, and I think they reference Pascal reading a, a lot of books and mm -hmm. about this sort of thing as well, but um, that, you yeah, know, they, they picked up pieces of the human experience or what they believe to be the human experience, and they kind of latched on to certain aspects and amplified them and thought, this is what humanity is, so this is what I'm going to be now, and this will make me more human. So mm. Jean-Paul... Mm picked up this you know his particular attitude towards everything meaning nothing etc cetera, etc cetera, and thought you know this is this is how i become more human is to really espouse this idea um so yeah that that's kind of what i picked up from how the robots especially were uh, allying themselves with um with kind of philosophical viewpoints well yeah yeah, I mean, the whole game is chock full of, it, isn't it? It's sure. from from you know the simple notion of you know like a like a I guess the the robots that attack you like it's just the physiological elements of human beings. It's you know you know I will you know enforce my superior strength on you, and that's that's what they picked up as as a way to progress human mm. endeavor. Clearly, we know that you know as humans that that doesn't always end up great. Um, then you have the you know the robots which you know. Have have a collective of uh, like the safety in groups. You know the the idea of you know a, like a religious society, a, a place of belonging. Um, you know, which, yeah. Some of them form a cult, don't they? Yeah, which is once again, it's and the, the, what the game does, it, it plays with the ideas that you know each set of robots has longed for something, and they pick up on one element of what makes human assistance human resistance, but they they mm. don't have the the brain to to take that and kind of understand and, and break it down so you end up in a, the absolutely worst case scenario of any of these one things if you just become one yep. individual element of society in that regards it always ends up bad and yeah. so it's fascinating to see so many elements of you know the caricatures of i guess of those elements of humans assistance that we know that any single one doesn't actually work. Mm. You are, as a human, you are made up of multiple things. And, you know, to the point where the game actually tries to deal with and tries to talk about, well, if the ultimate notion is that, like you've just said, Leon, like, essentially, we all live, we all die. And actually, in some respects, it's all meaningless. But it, it's not because it's about the relationships that you form it's about there is a legacy that you know humans want to leave behind um and be it a, ph yeah. a philosophy you know from a quote might give somebody a, you know a, a notion of a little bit more self-existence and i think yeah first, this is what ending e is all about yeah but the, the, you know, the first playthrough i mean we will talk about multiple playthroughs but what makes the game so good is the first playthrough of the game it seems quite wrought but time you do get to ending e you know you've 
the game's explored all these different elements and you've seen it from different point of views and you know from just seeing them as a the, the the robots as an enemy and actually seeing them as an equal to the or the androids eventually have to see them as equals in fact they are made out of machine parts that have been taken from the earth um yeah it's 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 fascinating it's fascinating i think taro's also questioning by by making these uh these creatures uh or entities that are striving to become more than they are obviously he's likening them to us but also he's questioning as the philosophers do the nature of the soul in the sense that Mm -hmm. these robots are you uh, one of you said that they they don't have i think tony you said they don't have the brain to kind of do more than uh, act on these impulses based on this very simplistic idea but i think taro is questioning whether we do and in fact we we think we think we're higher minded but actually we are we are just creatures acting on uh kind of impulse and instinct a lot of the time oh yeah maybe we have the capacity to consider (laughs) ourselves but actually all we're doing is we're reenacting the same humanity continues to enact the exact same cycle over and over again there's a couple of really obvious examples which stick out in in the game for anybody that you know this would you know, just to make an example, you you fight a, a boss character, which is, you know, a a character in the amusement park that is, you know, she's pretty hard to beat actually first time round. Um, she, you know, she seems like a caricature of a, uh, a well, a woman, a woman, a dre- a, a robot dressed up in a, in a kind of a woman's outfit, and is just, you know, she's spouting nonsense. But by the time you you run the second playthrough, you realise in fact what she's trying to do is become you know get was it yeah essentially get jean paul's love and attention yeah. mm-hmm. which is probably the worst you know robot in the game to, to get love and attention yeah. but this is what essentially after and over the hundreds of years she's assimilated everything to do about you know to to make herself beautiful in her eyes beautiful which what's you know she's learned from human behavior uh, or what they think about human is a desirable quality a desirable quality human. and actually the second time you know you slay her it's a lot more emotional it's like well yeah no that's yeah. that's sad um, she's uh she's so simone, yeah, simone based on simone mm. de beauvoir who had a relationship with or yeah a complex relationship yeah. with sartre um and th- there's another point as well from the forest area where you have the you know essentially um they create a society under a a, a king um and you go in there and obviously first time around you slay him but the second time around the king dies and um, they actually put the king inside a baby expecting the the baby then to grow up to be the new king again and of course mm-hmm. it's not it's just the mind of this king that put the society around them and it's now stuck in a tiny baby's body incapable of doing anything and because he essentially dies the whole society that they built around in that forest actually does collapse so it does actually show you that you know although it's the rudimentary behavior that they're having within the game in, in that in that sequence because you know they're, they're at least following the king first time round. But actually, when their leader does go, they go back to a more kind of phys- physiological primeval society and actually become a lot more dangerous. for you know, on the second time playthrough, are just wanting to attack you, attack you for no good reason. So yeah, when do the is that when the zombie attacks come? When they actually start trying to eat each other and stuff? That's mm. kind of mad. Yeah. And even Pascal's point of view of being entirely you know passive which works obviously that you you know from first time round but second time round um you know can you become too passive and then if you you know and, and then you you know essentially her children all die of fear don't they or they yeah. commit his. suicide or his 
um, commit suicide because out of pure fear. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, just really fascinating stuff. And I think like I, I agree with all three of your viewpoints so far, and and I was able to come away with a very different feeling on on a lot of it too. And I think that's one of the one of the things about this game that does make it you know yeah. <laughs> open to every interpretation. It, it really does embrace the philosophical uh, notion that you know each individual is going to interpret things a different way and and the way that i interpret the relationships here were that uh both the machines and the androids modeling human behavior um w- what i was gathering from it was it was all about attachments and mm-hmm. your attachments um represented through the machines are were attachments uh to some of our baser instincts the the need to look beautiful um safety if you're talking about pascal and then the village mm-hmm. if you're talking about um you know, society, religion, and all those things we see. And, and all of those attachments ultimately end up in pain. Uh, yep. Every single one of them That's ends right. up in something bad happening. And if you mm-hmm. view it from the point of view of the androids, the Yorian is going down, is that look at these lower machines, they don't have the capacity to understand this. But mm. th- the attachments of the androids are also the things that end up causing them pain. But to all of them, their attachments and their relationships are what give their existence meaning. So it's yeah. kind of this it's cycle, and I'm not saying anything revelatory here, but just that they're, by expressing this through the machines kind of in the baser instinct and the androids, in my opinion, kind of being the higher thinking mm-hmm. of humans, um, they're kind of hitting for the philosophical cycle, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, just kind of saying that yeah. you know all existence is both <coughs> meaningless and full of meaning, depending on how you define the nature of your relationships and what, what you do. De- and painful. Yes. And there's also something in there as well about, uh, obviously, the androids uh, look to us and act, you know, they are mechanically more sophisticated. They have flesh, which they'll flesh type uh, synthetic stuff, which bleeds and, and whatever else. And, you know, they, they move more in a more naturalistic fashion. They consider themselves to be a superior being, um, mm-hmm. but they are um really they're they're no different they are just machines with um with a certain amount of programming um yeah i th- i think that the major difference between in in that way between the androids and the robots is that since the androids were created by the humans to be essentially like them um the robots kind of came around to these human like impulses on their own and didn't really have the humans holding them back. The androids are still getting these same kind of impulses. And you see that through like the relationship that 2B and 9S form. You see that mm-hmm. through like 9S's operator who initially starts out very much following the orders and very much being cold and starts to show signs of caring towards, you know, towards the end of, um, of the playthrough or as that goes on. So, you know, you have, two sets of artificial life that are both kind of coming around to the same impulses, but one of them is doing it despite being programmed specifically differently. And then one is just kind of got there on their own, I suppose. Yeah. And of course, the one thing we haven't said uh, for those who are listening to this show without knowing the story, hmm. um, there'd probably be some, is that uh, the aliens created the robots. They died out a long, long time ago. The humans created the androids and they died out a long, long time ago. Uh, Which you do the... not find out. You think that the humans are still alive, or you're made to think well, that the humans yeah, are still alive. I'm with Leon. I'm not sure I ever believed that they were still okay, alive. The, okay, the androids <laughs> believe that the, the humans uh, are yes. still alive. Yes. Well, and and um, importantly, I mean, that's, that, that is a very important point. Their gods point. are dead. Yes. Yeah, because 
because the whole the the whole Euro organization is there, and you know there there's a base that you you go back to, uh, and there is a leader of the base. I can't remember her name now. Um, the operator. Yeah, operator. just the just oh, the no, operator. Um, the leader of the, the commander. Base. I think they just the call commander, her the commander. Yeah, is is essentially. I mean, she's she's well aware that the humans do not exist. Yes. But um, she still passes down the com- you know down the chain of command to the Euro robots because she feels like they need to believe Purpose. in something mm. themselves. So we're mm-hmm. taking of the taking that away that she believes that the actual um, the Euro units would actually pretty much you know self destruct themselves. Yeah, uh, because they have yeah. they have no guiding um, influence at that point. Then what would you got to have a meaning? Yeah. Got to be fighting for something. Yeah, which yeah, obviously is a, also a comment on humans' uh, propensity to go to war. Mm-hmm. Magical Isopod from the forum says Near Automata isn't really about anime androids fighting anime robots for any specific purpose. The struggle core to the game's story is almost something of a blank slate to wax philosophical. The war doesn't matter. No one knows why they're fighting. No one knows what the end goal is. The only thing anyone in this universe knows is that they are fighting and that they are meant to fight. The player enters this endless cycle of combat at a very special moment when a spark of sentience suddenly awakens in our heroes 2B and 9S. When the game starts, they are very much emotionless dolls, but by the end, they are very much mortal beings. But that's really about as much detail is required to understand what the game is all about. It's very broadly about life. While we do follow a handful of core characters on a fairly straightforward journey, the whole game exists more as a framework to ponder and wax philosophical. The folks behind the writing of this game seemingly don't want to tell you what to think. They very blatantly introduce concepts from philosophy, often invoking names like Sartre and Engels, and using direct quotes from authors like Kierkegaard and Dostoevsky. But much like the android dolls you pilot in this world, you are meant to observe these ideas take from them what you will and grow as an individual. The game is incredibly non-judgmental in this sense. No one is truly evil and no one fights for justice. They fight because that is what ex- is expected of a AAA video game. <laughs> Interesting take, uh, this one. I, I like this because this will almost certainly reflect some other people's experience if they choose to play this game or if they already have. Raptor from the forum says, On the surface, the game is about anime robots being at war with clunky retro robots in the future. I'm down with that. In reality, the game is a sort of bleak satire on the human condition. There are all of these tragic, doomed robots abandoned by their creators and desperately trying to find some meaning to their existence. They go about it in tragically poignant ways, trying to find meaning and value in life in the way that humans do. Family, love, community, religion. And it always ends in tragedy, madness and death. I went away and played something more cheery and upbeat. Maybe it was Dark Souls. (laughs) Anything is less bleak than Near Automata. I didn't think I'd come back to it, but then I heard you had to play through the game multiple times to fully appreciate it. That each playthrough was markedly different, and, most importantly, that it got better on the next playthroughs. I girded my loins and went back in. This time I forced myself to battle through the whole game and get the main endings. The melancholy just grew. The overwhelming feeling that I had while playing this game wasn't fun or excitement, which are the feelings that I mainly expect to get from video games. It wasn't even sadness, which you get in games occasionally. No, what Near Automata made me feel was a kind of endless, bleak melancholy. I didn't enjoy playing this game exactly. I'm glad for the medium of games that it exists and that there are games being made that can capture this bleak tone to explore sophisticated themes like it does. 
but I won't be replaying it in a hurry. Not without some ice cream and a funny cartoon to watch afterwards anyway. <laughs> I don't know that I completely... It's That's a great take, but I don't, I don't know that I completely agree with it, um, especially because of ending E. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I, I... It kind of, to me, I think what I took away more was that, yes, everything does kind of come back to the same ending to an extent, but also that they keep trying like these these robots keep trying to uh you know become better or become what they are and it doesn't always end up great in fact usually it ends up really badly but um mm-hmm. but you know it it keeps it doesn't kill the i guess the spirit of things um that that part kind of keeps going on so i guess there are definitely a lot of melancholy reads that you can have on this game but i think that there's still a spark of hope in there I agree completely yeah. with that. You know, the the melancholy for sure is there, and it, I felt it at several parts during this, especially the Pascal storyline, how that uh, wraps up. But, um, mm. but within that, you know, having that melancholy there gives the rest of the feeling meaning, for lack of a better chance. Like without the melancholy, you wouldn't have any of the up upbeats. So I mm. I didn't view it nearly as downtrodden as he did. But I he he makes the point very well though. Yeah, which is one of the one of the key teachings of one of the philosophers in the game. I don't, I don't want to say which one because I sound, sound the wrong one. One of the philosophers that is directly referenced in the game is that uh, the suffering is, uh, is, is what you need to have the suffering to make the, the good stuff worthwhile kind of thing, mm. because without the contrast, it, it's nothing. It's that idea that a utopia would be utterly boring um, because without, without pain and suffering and difficulty, then there's no, there's no upside to appreciate and, and, to have kind of validate your existence so um maybe there's that uh as well as all this uh you know deep intellectual stuff we should also talk about the actual video game because lest we forget uh you are if you are going to play this through uh to get all this uh all this exciting interesting stuff out of it um you are going to be playing a game for somewhere between 35 to anything up to like 80 90 100 hours i believe some people played it it's going to depend on your difficulty setting so there is an easy mode um which allows you to uh equip various uh kind of auto mode kind of items basically to take a lot of the the kind of the more technical platinum games part out of the combat if that's the way you want to do it that is an option there's also the higher end where you can play it on hard or hardest there's no lock on and in fact on hardest it's auto one hit deaths and i believe the game mechanics are robust enough to allow you to do this there's a lot of uh you know fairly involved rpg type stuff with uh, status effects and uh you know damage per second and all this kind of stuff i elected to play it on normal for my first playthrough and i found it really uh, it was a lot easier as a game than i was expecting from a kind of platinum game i got to the 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 boss of the a the the first ending boss basically the a ending boss without dying like the whole game up to that point which was shocking frankly um but i using i had some sort of auto heal things equipped and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so so it wasn't very it just wasn't very challenging but i was i wasn't bored and in fact the more i played it the more i continued to play it through the different endings it's not quite as uh as straight up an action game as you would think because in particular one of the major 
uh, mechanics that you run into is a lot of the larger fights and a lot of the fights towards, well, I guess it kind of ramps up the closer you, uh, the, the farther you get through the game, uh, is bullet hell sections. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes. most mm-hmm. of the enemies that you will meet, especially in the later parts of the game, are shooting these bullets at you. And some of them you mm-hmm. can uh, destroy, some of them you can't destroy, but uh, in, in any case, you need to deal with them in some fashion before you really can actually start uh, fighting the machines that are throwing them at you. So that yeah. that's a, a huge twist, even if you don't engage with... Uh, like, I played this on easy, and um, I it, it is quite easy. Um, <laughs> I don't think yeah. that anybody uh, would really have much of a problem... I, I'm not there for the combat in this case, which a lot of people yeah. will be. And that's great because I mean, it's platinum games and that is something that they are very, very good at. Um, but that, that just wasn't, I'm not especially good at that kind of thing. So I, uh, I decided to focus on the story, but you can certainly go as deep or as, yeah, as shallow yeah. with that as you want. Yeah, to, exactly. Cool. I think, I think that's, uh, that's actually a very, uh, significant strength of the game is that it allows you to do, to do that and to customize your play style uh, through the chips and through uh, your difficulty level as much as you really want to. Which you can change on the fly, as is the case in modern mm-hmm. games, which I'm still not used to. But uh. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I can't fathom playing with no lock-on. Um, my, my right no. index finger got cramped from holding the R1 button on the PlayStation <laughs> 1 just because I was constantly firing at anything that I was... Um, with my turret yeah. from my pod. See, the auto shoot was one of the on. things I almost always kept on yeah. because I just I yeah. don't want to have my yeah yeah they I I just I I can't imagine it like that. I'm not particularly good at um at at, at action games. You know, like, mm. in platinum style, for example, like I I never completed Bayonetta, the first Bayonetta, on anything other right. than easy because I I just I'm not adept at those yeah. types of games, and um. So this one without the lock on, I think I, I I'd be lost. Um, I did play through it on normal, but um, uh, again, like what Leah said, the game gives you lots of options via that chipset in order to uh, to to really adapt your playstyle to how to to how you want to play, and it's uh, mm. very useful. I found I was swapping things out regularly, looking at my setup, contemplating, ah, is this what I want for this issue? Um, you know, what this type of boss? Where are they coming from? And you know, what are their strategies? How might I change this to adapt? And so I normally don't think about those things that often in these games, and this one, this game had me thinking about that a lot. So I really engaged with the systems. I I jump between normal and hard. Um, oh, I, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I I did. Uh, I I love Bayonetta, and I got the um the the four thousand points in it, and I you know played pretty hell of a time. There, I mean, this isn't Bayonetta. It, it's hmm. it's fair to say like that. No, no, no. There, there's no. some of the mechanics feel like there is a similarity there, but. It, I think overall it's a lot easier game. Um, oh yeah, and it's it's not as deep either. It's, it's it's more reliant on stats than it is on yeah. The what pure what is quite strange? Skill. I think if if you just play this game through, I think the game does a fairly good job of keeping the level near you. Um, and I think you know if you do a smattering of side quests and the normal quests, you never. I don't think you ever find yourself out of your league. And in fact, what the is the reason I ended up popping up to hard on a couple of times is I. Because I was doing so many um, side quests on my first run through, which ended up being, you know, 20, 27 hours, you know, quite quite a lot, long time. Um, I over leveled myself, so I was finding the actual yeah. going back to the story quest. Like I was, you know, five six levels above the story yeah. quest, and it was kind of one hit kill. And and part of that was because I really did get a lot of enjoyment with messing with the chipsets, and ended up 
Um, there's a, a few stores you can get into the, the game if you know where to go and start amalgamating um, chipsets together. So you end up with you know really high level chipsets not taking particularly a lot of room. So you can end up um, finding yourself with a character with you know high level damage as well as high level um, healing capabilities and 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 whatnot. Um, still within the same even if you don't want to do that stuff you just find yourself using one or two of those and, and it being perfectly fine but if you actually do get into it the chipset system is really quite fun uh, and it's you know yeah, you great. can really mess with your character and and make them overpowerful if you wish to which you know i, I did on occasion so there's a great one called taunt which you don't really know <laughs> yeah. to use or not but essentially um by the end of it you can make every hit 500 percent more um potent but mm. the the downside of that is every hit that you take is 500% more potent. So it, it ends up becoming yeah. almost this great risk reward. You can really do a lot of damage and certainly in hard that helped. Um, but at the same time, I found myself dying a number of times because I over egged mm. the pudding and uh, <laughs> was trying to take down the entire armada with, you know, everyone. Yeah, the, the speed run that I watched made very heavy use of that. Yeah. One thing I would say about the game from a just games design perspective that perhaps... Um, I, I didn't have overall any problems with it, but I did think there. It, it took me a while to get my head around who I had to speak to to do different stuff and mm. buy different stuff. And there's people dotted around here and there and you have to have different conversations with different people. Um, and some people can upgrade some things and some people can upgrade others. I guess it's like a normal IPG in that regard, but um perhaps because they're just all kind of bunched up in in locations it didn't feel like there was much it's not like that grand sense of i'm going to the swordsmith now you just go to this guy who's just sitting there uh, says, until, yeah, until you get your weapon until... to the uh, to the maximum True. level and you can't upgrade it any farther and you There's have a to secret go swordsmith. yeah you have yeah, to go uh, find a uh, a Hidden robot in a side scrolling yeah. level yeah. yeah. You can kind of I, I, it's I, I liked how they did that because you can hear kind of his anvil going plank, plank, once you get close yeah. to it but you don't actually see him until you unblock the entrance and uh, and go past. So side quest we've already sort of mentioned that uh, they not only uh, I didn't do all of them I did I did a bunch um the game allows you to keep going back in and uh, do more and it tracks over the uh, over your the course of your full adventure what you have done and what you haven't sort uh, of like possible. you can you can kind of yeah. pick up in the middle of some of them in between playthroughs but some of them will reset you to the beginning of the quest line yeah. if you don't finish you'll get it. locked out yeah, yeah that's that, very true that yeah. was that was not clearly told to you as a player too i i remember being quite frustrated mm. with uh it was a couple um quests i didn't write down the name of the quest line but it was a i think the missing yorha chips and there was a, a guy saying in the in the yeah. city saying he wanted the chips but then you get a message from the commander saying hey these yorha units were you know blown up and we don't know who did it so and and you it, it leads you down the path to believing that he was the one that attacked the yorha units turns out to be quite different but um, I gave him the chips. I, yeah, so did I. And then did you did you finish that storyline? Yeah, because then I believe it's yeah. you go out into the desert, and it turns out that he has he's trying to make a family, so he needed yeah. these chips to reactivate. Yeah. I, I I think it's a nine S unit or something yeah. similar. Yeah, it was really cool. I I really actually enjoyed the the way that. And then and then you get a, a radio message saying that oh nope they 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 discovered the identity of the person who attacked him. So it was pretty neat, but. Um, once you do, I believe it's the mission in the flooded city, or when you go to the flooded city first, it just hard cuts all those side quests. And I, and my second playthrough was nine S. I had to yeah. go through the collecting all the chips again, talking to the guy, having the same mm. conversations, and and that I did find that would, I mean it's a little it's a little nitpicky, but also 
you know, when you're playing an RPG that you're going to be putting 30, 40, 50 hours into, sometimes that extra 20 minutes is just like, all right, you know, let's yeah. get Yeah, let's especially get when it's repetition, exactly. and especially when the game inherently kind of features a certain amount of repetition. Right. Yeah. Uh, some of the sub subquest side quests are fairly traditional mundane fare, which will net you extra stuff that will help make your journey easier but some of it is that story stuff mm. uh, which fleshes out the entire world and the concept of the game jason Esty emailed us instead of attempting to sort out my bipolar feelings on near automata as a whole i want to talk about one side quest in particular amnesia it starts when you find a woman who has lost her memory and asks you to investigate who murdered her friend. There's no combat or complex gameplay. You merely travel from one point to the next collecting clues. Those clues end up pointing back to the woman with amnesia who then asks you to probe her friend's life log. When you do this, it's revealed that the woman was a Type E Yorha unit who are assigned to kill other Yorha units. She attempted to erase her memory to forget the truth, but now it comes flooding back. She killed her friend. She remembers killing many people she cared about. At this moment, the song Morning starts as the woman laughs maniacally. You sense that her soul is breaking. There's no voiceover, but the combination of music and text made her turmoil feel so real. I sat there for minutes listening to that song, imagining the heartbreak of losing so many loved ones, wiping your memory only to remember again. It left me stunned. I can't say that Near Automata is a good game as a whole, but moments like Amnesia make it special. That particular side quest uh, actually ties in to the larger story because one of the later things that you find out is that 2B is actually 2E and yeah. uh, that's why, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, that's why she has been repeatedly killing 9S because mm. um, that's who she really is. Uh, but I, I am a sucker for games that uh, either in their their main storyline or in side quests like these make you make kind of difficult choices, choices that there is no real good answer to. Um, and I I want to tie that back into, this is not a side quest, uh, but something that's kind of similar is uh, when you are in, when you're playing as A2 and you have to decide what to do with Pascal. Um, that, that reminds me of this because like you... There is no real good choice here. Um, you you have to uh, Pascal either you have to um, kill Pascal uh, after mm -hmm. Pascal uh, discovers that um, his teachings to his children have made them kill himself. He he cannot handle it, and he asks you mm -hmm. to either kill him or to erase his memory flush him yeah. yeah um and that you know like like this your high unit attempted to do um and you can't walk away from that you can't choose not to make that choice you can't choose to leave pascal as he is you have to do one or the other in order to progress in the game and just the the concept of staying who you are but not but choosing not to remember something that I think that's something that a lot of us maybe had wished we could do at one time or another, but that's something that is fundamentally not a human thing. Yeah. So that I, I, I really liked that aspect. And um, like I said, I, I, I find it very powerful when games are able to do that, are able to make me essentially put my controller down and go, oh crap, I have to do one of these things and I don't want to do either one of them. I, yeah. I killed Pascal, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I wiped There's a trophy for it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's a trophy either way, but yeah. I mean, the reason that I did that was because I don't just my interactions with Pascal 
had led me to believe that if I yes. were to wipe Pascal's memory, that would not be something that he ultimately would want. I kind of I, I kind of tried to do that as a I think he would prefer to actually be dead than to not be himself anymore. Yeah. We should talk a little again. This is a kind of mechanical gameplay issue, but that's what we do here on Kaderitz. We review the whole product. Uh, Baker's 12 from the forum says, My first play after the short shooting section, I was into the game proper and was out of time. So I turned off the PS4 for another uh, another session, another, another time. When I came back another day, I was back at the shooting section again. I discovered that there was no saving until after the opening level. A bit of an issue if you don't have much time to devote to it. I had died many times on that opening opening. When I finally passed that frustrating opening section, the game clicked with me. I enjoyed the gameplay setting and the style of the game. The combat, while at times hard, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the challenge and moving to a new area brought new and interesting sights and sounds. Then, towards the end of the storyline, I hit a wall in the form of a boss that I could not beat. Once I'd died a few times and had lost my upgrades, the hard tack of taking that robot monstrosity out was even harder. I never beat it. People say that to get the most from this game, you need to play several playthroughs. I will never know. This is an amazing game, but my experience is bookended by struggles to progress. See, this is kind of why I chose to play on easy, because I knew that if yeah. I were to come up against mm. something like that, like that mm. experience, it would probably frustrate me. I'm trying to work out what boss it was. It's pretty, as I say. Could like, have been one of the Adam and Eve bosses, maybe. Mm -hmm. Difficulty is subjective as well, as Mikhail discussed in a two-part article on the mm -hmm. blog. Um, so different, you know, different people are good at different things, and some I consider myself very average at these sorts of games. But I actually found on normal this one was quite an easy game overall, um, and you can mitigate against being stuck by changing your loadout or going off doing other things, and and you know you can you can over level, you can do also you can do RPG stuff basically. Mm. Um, but on the point of saving, it is true. Uh, I had this happen to me on one of my, uh, maybe it was the second, maybe it was the second run actually was, uh, yeah, just basically this game doesn't auto save. It tells you it doesn't. Yes. And in fact, it even kind of makes fun of itself uh, when you speak to one of the sort of helpful characters in, in and around the, the resistance camp. But uh, you can save, you can do quick saves at any one of the kind of uh, these funny vending machine hubs, which uh, <laughs> double up as uh, various things, uh, email inbox and uh, quick travel hubs. But also um, when you're within range of one, um, they also open up your map as well, uh, as in extending the area within which you can see slightly more clearly, as good as the map isn't. But you can also do a, a proper manual save into one of your three slots when you're within range of these of these things. So it's a slightly odd system, um, one that is fairly easy to get used to. But yes, it is possible to die after a yeah, reasonably lengthy section of game and then find that you yeah you hadn't saved or you weren't able to save. So I would say that goes down in the modern sense. I just think uh, of you just save often. You just get used to. I mean, yes. it takes two seconds to go into the menu and press quick save. It takes yeah. longer, obviously, to do a, a hard manual save, but um, because you know there's no auto save, you just get used to. And it, yeah, I, I I found myself dying a couple of times mm. because I overegged the pudding, thinking, oh, that's fine. And you end up in that, you know, the scenario of trying to get back your corpse. And yeah, there was a couple yes. of times where I was, you know, on edge that, you know, but essentially because I'd been quick saving or I had a hard save, if I didn't get there, um, mm. I would just revert back to a previous save. Um, 
that was there. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, no, no, all to say, but I, I, I don't think it's a huge deal once you understand. Not a game breaker. Dying or dying, such as you do in a game about androids who can upload their consciousness, consciousness or or whatever <laughs> it is uh, to the bunker and uh, and come back at least for certain period of the game um you can go on a a, a roguelike style corpse run get your get your kit back um and there's also another uh, element which i use to an extent which is the praying and healing or retrieving of other players corpses uh, this reminded me of a this kind i think that souls the souls games are an influence on this whole this whole element as well take a drink um Yes, there you go. So you can you can actually bring uh, the dead body of another player uh, in to help you or later in the game, once they've been infected or the virus to basically sort of AI PV- PVP you. Um, that was yeah, that sucks if you're not prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First time that happened, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah I, the, cool. the the one time that it happened to me, I didn't realize it was going to happen, and they were considerably higher level than I was. So um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, it was not, it didn't go well. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you've already got like a huge horde of regular. Yeah. M- m- ma- I thought, ma- oh, I'm getting some help. I was not getting some help. Talking about quotes, multiple playthroughs. Uh, I I really want. I kind of want to hopefully try to kind of knock this misnomer on the head. Mm. I know, obviously, we're we're not speaking to everyone on this podcast, but we have a number of listeners, and I'm hoping that this because I think this does the game no favors whatsoever, and I think mm. it's Agreed. basically mis- misleading. You do just because an end credit sequence or or a sorry a credit sequence plays some hours into the game, it does not mean that you are then replaying the game over and over again. Uh, You are not. You are continuing the game, which happens to include a section which you play the section you've already played, but from a different protagonist's point of view. Now, when that happens in a book, which is quite common in literature. You don't say, oh, you have to start the book over again. (laughs) You're carrying on reading the book. And in this case, you're carrying on reading the game to understand the game better from a different character's perspective. And then after that, the game carries on and then it carries on again. And yes, there are credit sequences, but there are just think of those as kind of end of the show. That maybe they could have done a better job than rather running a a credit sequence, you know, because I mean, they I mean, they put. Think of it as an episode, screen, though, rather than an ending, I yeah, think, is, it is, the, is the thing to in, do. In that regards. Yeah. But they, on absolutely. screen, they're like, please continue on. There is stuff you will not see. There is, please, yeah. please. But I, yeah. I think it's it, hard, it though, just would have been better served not to do it. In they didn't episode. want to ruin the kind of surprise. Yeah, either, because so. the, the beginning, uh, well, not the very beginning, but the, I, I would say at least the first half of the second of, of Route B, it's it's very similar to... Mm, it is. To the one that you've just done that's the closest to a replay through that you will get and you know it's it's intentional because you are seeing it from a different character's perspective but like it's i can see where some people would have gone oh well all this is is just you know the 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 second or uh, a different character through uh through the game but um it it becomes more than that towards the end of that playthrough and then the third playthrough is completely different um but yeah I, i agree with it being called playthroughs is is kind of uh, a disservice to the game it's it's off-putting i think it no, doesn't they, help they could have done like chapter one complete and then totally moved yeah. on you know well it is it, and, and at the end you get a chapter select and it actually tells you which yeah, episodes are which and, yeah. yeah 
But yeah, but that's not until the end of Route C, so yeah. Yeah, right, right. I heard people talking about this game who had played it and completed it talking about having to play through it three times. Like, I heard mm-hmm. that was part no, of the discussion yeah. by people no. who had done it. <laughs> and I can maybe see the the second the two, playthrough yeah. as being, like you said, the first few hours or maybe the first couple hours, there, there are similarities there and you play through some direct sequences. But yes. the gameplay is completely different playing as 9S. I mean... And I, I just don't, I just don't get how 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 that messaging how it happened that way because to me it it, mm. it the, the, especially the third playthrough is its own completely unique thing. So it's just a continuation of the story. Let's just let's just say here and now you you have not listener completed the game unless you've seen ending E. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I wonder if it is a cultural difference as well. Um, I, because I think that there there is a. A lot of people that put a lot of um, stock into how long a game can be, certainly in, in a JRPG sense of things like the fact that you couldn't play multiple times. Maybe it's just messaging that that is slightly mishandled. But you know, yo, you can get to play this game twice, three times, but it, it's not that at all. I mean, it they it literally is chapters. Well, um, also yeah. the um, the games before this, the Dragon Guard games as well as the original Nier, all of them have multiple endings. Um, yeah. And I, I don't have as much experience with those, so I don't know how similar the playthroughs are in those cases, but it could be a situation where they're more similar than the playthroughs in in this game are. So, you know, if people are expecting one thing and then, you know, if they play the other games and then they get here, it, it I can see where the messaging could possibly get a little bit It doesn't mixed. do itself any favours as well no. by saying yeah. 26 endings and it's... Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, no it's well, not, yes, yeah. <laughs> you can get you can get twenty twenty one of those yeah. by trying funny things out. Basically, <laughs> um, yeah. Pocket Circuit Fighter from the forum says it's hard to sell a game to someone and say you have to play it multiple times to really get it. My co-worker did just that and I beat Near Automata once. Then I started Route B and played for a few hours and then stopped. I found it too similar to the first playthrough, found the new content lacking. Then... Four months passed and I came down with the flu. In my sad, sick state with too much free time, I decided to pick up from Playthrough B again to see what my disappointed co-worker had been nagging me about. And wow, am I happy I did that. What an amazing game Neo Automata is. It's drenched in this ex- existentialist dread that, while at times tacky, ties in so well with the storytelling. It's absurd, it's funny, sad, human, and it's robotic. It may be emotional and it may be think about different perspectives, 2B and 9S. Those first few interactions felt so meaningless, yet they mean so much to me now. It made me make difficult decisions, poor old Pascal, having all those names appear on the screen and not knowing what it really meant, only to give the option to return the favour. It brought me to tears. Now, I'm the one going around work telling any of my co-workers who solicit video game advice to play Near Automata, and I tell them, you have to play it multiple times to really get it. The cycle continues. Just tell them they have to play it to the end to really get it. <laughs> then, <laughs> then you won't put them off. Um, Leroy Lemon says, perhaps the game's only true failure, and it's an infinitesimally small one, is its negligence in suitably telegraphing to the average player how vital it is to play beyond the first roll of credits. The A playthrough possibly oversells itself as the core experience of the game. The B ostensibly a new game plus mode, something best left for the diehards, the completionists, or the trophy hunters. I'd go so far as to say that after the, the credits after ending A are unnecessary and misleading. Were it not for how they set up the absurd and wonderful dev-blasting credit shoot-em-up finale of Ending E. 
And it doesn't take a completionist or a trophy hunter to understand just how vital the subsequent endings are to the game once they've been experienced. Playing beyond that first errant credit roll to the game's true end earns turns a quirky, slightly befuddling and plot-hole-ridden action game into a truly emotionally hard-hitting piece of artistic existential discourse. Yeah, and you get, they do a better job of this in, in playthrough B because you get kind of that trailer mm. as to here's what's going to happen. I'm not sure why yeah. they didn't just do one of those no. at the end of A. That, that I think, actually would have made things a lot better just, mm -hmm. just with that. Yeah. Sage plus Onion Knight says, For starters, anyone who's on the fence due to having to replay the game multiple times it really feels more like changing discs in an old Final Fantasy game than it does starting the game four times. Each playthrough is very different and progresses the story in its own way. I sometimes imagine, though, what it would have been like if there hadn't been that little message at the end of the game. How long would I have gone before nostalgically replaying it and realising I still had three quarters of the game left to play? Uh, obvious Beth from the forum also says, This game holds a special place in my heart because of its story and philosophy. It forced me to face my very real anxieties about existence and prompted me into seeking help in finding my own meaning in life. 2B and 9S go through much of the game believing that they are fighting for mankind, only to find out that they are... Not only are the aliens dead, mankind is too. And when the aliens, humans and your horror are gone, what is it that keeps them moving forward? And why do we exist anyway? What is our purpose? I'm just one blip on the earth in the whole universe, so what possible point could my life have if there isn't a higher power to grant it? It goes without saying that ending E devastated me, fighting so hard against the creators to give the characters another chance at meaning and life. You realise you're fighting a losing battle, but with each loss you see the words of encouragement and finally the offer of help and think that just maybe it's possible to beat this. All the while, weight of the world is playing on repeat in the background, pushing you on. Eventually, more voices are added to the song until it seems that everyone in the game is cheering you on. In fact, I think it's said that the entire development team is part of the additional chorus. It's hard to rationalise why the ending upset me, but I suppose it's because it was so overwhelming and hopeful to see that life doesn't have to be meaningless and that you don't have to be alone in it. Life is hard, but we can get through it together. You don't need to rely on a higher being for meaning. You can create your own. So yes, ending E, the end of your heart. That was a story talk uh, about how Tony's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're gonna. Uh. Upon viewing either ending C or D once more, which okay. is a choice between uh, 9S and 2B in terms uh, of... And A2. A2, sorry, yeah. quite right, yes. 2B has already been uh, multiply dispatched uh, by this point. Uh, during the credits, you'll be prompted by pod153, which is, uh, I mean, that always amused me in itself, the fact that they have these sentient pods which are basically no different to the machines that they're killing whatsoever other than they're kind of squarish instead of roundish and the androids seemingly have no sense of irony uh, about <laughs> this whatsoever or, or qualms. Uh, Pod 153 uh, performs a data check if accepted after a brief exchange between uh, both pods. And actually, you can find more pods as an aside. Uh, to give you even more number? combat options. Yeah, you can switch between the two. Uh, you will be prompted once more. Accepting the option stating you wish for them to survive will allow you to play a shooting minigame. Complete the minigame to unlock the ending. Dying repeatedly in the minigame, which you will, yeah, will eventually... It's very difficult and very long. It's, it's deliberately almost impossible. I guess there's somebody out there who's done it, but um, 
Yeah. Uh, the player asking them if they want help. This only happens if you are connected to the network. Of course, in offline mode, you will receive no help and it will be incredibly hard to finish. Accepting the help will make this section trivial. Uh, warning. Afterwards, when you are asked to delete your save file, it means it. Uh, I believe it's six times it questions yeah, you. Yeah, it's something it like that. You, yeah. They really yeah, want to make sure that you know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> you will lose all your progress. This includes your other save files, all three on your uh, machine, and, and they, you'll yeah. become one of the helpers instead. They make there you is, watch course, while they delete all your data. Yeah, it actually takes There is a way second, to yeah. circumnavigate, of course. You can do a backup, uh, but you really you'd be robbing yourself of, of the kind of the meaning of the moment, um, I guess. So, yeah, the, the, the whole thing here is it's something you need to experience. We'll, we'll try to talk about it a, a little as, as we can, but yeah. really it's so much about the actual sense of doing it, the actual having got to that point and then realizing what it actually, what it actually is doing, which is basically other human players who have played near automata have sacrificed their save games to help you through the super stupidly hard bullet hell end credits section to complete ending, uh, to complete the true ending of the game. And, uh, and therefore, leaves you with the feeling that yes life is worthwhile with other people and and you uh, have the option need... to leave a message too i i believe that's true whether yes. or not you choose to yeah, sacrifice yeah. your save you can mm -hmm. leave a message and some of those <laughs> some of the messages that you can pick are really mean like if you wanted yeah. to and it's 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 them, telling yeah. i think that both times that i played through and i deleted my save both times that i've played through um None of the messages that I saw were negative, um, yes. which in in this digital age um, <laughs> is is something else. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, maybe it's just that the type of person who would or the type of player who would enjoy this game enough to see it through is mm -hmm. not that kind of player. But I, I don't know. But um, I, it what reminded I, me of Journey in that sense. Yeah, that it seems that certain kinds of experience evoke the best in yeah. people but um but yeah i mean everything that i ever saw was positive and encouraging so um, maybe they delete all the yeah. trolley ones maybe i don't, think, they, maybe I don't know they... i i wouldn't think so because i mean why would you put it in there in the first place you know mm, probably making some kind of clever clever point <laughs> perhaps <laughs> i'm not a monster for not deleting myself oh yes you are that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say i'd never delete myself i'd merely i'm continuing to play the game after i mean i i guess Maybe seeing the fi that final you know, ending E would be mm. the last thing you would do after clearing up every single thing in the game. Um, but that wasn't where I left the game. I, you know, I, I went back and I continued playing after getting ending yeah. E. So it's it for sure. It actually I afterwards I when it it you know, it specifically says oh okay. <laughs> like, I mean, other people helped you, but sure, if you just want to continue oh. on your merry way. Oh, dude, um, it shames you? I didn't know that. <laughs> I readily did it, and I hadn't even bought all the trophies from the... Oh, no, I hadn't either. I, yeah, I, 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 like I said, both times I played through, I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine I saying this is no. where Tony's... Uh, value for achievements over human life. Is... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you you could buy the achievements before seeing that ending. So you, yeah. So yeah. Not if you didn't have enough money. Yes. I had a ton I of money. I ran out of cash. But, yeah, no, yeah, you had I, a ton of money. <laughs> like mm. a billion credits. It's, yeah. I mean, this is another one of those. There is no really. 
Well, I don't I don't even want to say there is no good choice because I feel like I feel like the choice that I made was was just but there's no uh there's no inconsequential choice, I suppose would be a better way to put it. Like I mean, if I... you if you choose to delete your save data, then yeah, you're losing, you know, potentially upwards uh, dozens of hours of of gameplay and you can't go back to that. If you don't, then I mean maybe Maybe you have some kind of guilt that you're you're taking all of these other people. I, I can honestly say I have no guilt. Uh, it's purely <laughs> I want I want to play more more of the game um, going forward. And if I lost that save file, then I you know starting out again and just playing it all through from from scratch isn't. I want to do the 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 high end back you know end of game stuff and to you know yes to help one person out, fantastic. And maybe I'll do that right at the end once I've got my entire fill. But right now you know I'm still playing near as a, a game in my you know my rotation so once i'm done i'll put it here on the on the uh, you know look out for my twitter feed i will i'll yeah, post yeah. it up and me delete my safe <laughs> but at the moment i'm i'm still playing the game i understand and the one thing uh, that i just never get from video games these days is an ending like an actual finality to the gameplay mm. there's always a reason to go back there's always trophies achievements or reason to keep playing and, and normally in video games i think that's great you know you're getting a lot of value out of your purchase you're getting to play a game that you love for a certain amount of time but um but this it was just having that like real break that this is it you know this is what you've done in this game and you're choosing to not only not play the game anymore at least in the way that you had but then to assist others that it was really meaningful and and also it gave me an actual satisfying feeling of completion that I rarely get from video games these days. So um, that, that was another thing for me. I just, I'm, I'm not used to actually being done officially with a video game. And that was uh, mm. unique. Mm. You can always start all over again, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did for the second time through. I did oh, too. right. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, young Steve from the forum says, if I could use a keyword to describe my experience with Nier Automata, it would be revelation. A sequence of things clicking into place and culminating in one of the best gaming experiences in my long history of enjoying the medium. Let's talk about E, the true ending, with weight of the world swelling and moving through the three different versions, the true final boss appears, the creators of the game. As you pilot a ship and shoot your way through the credits, much like something from an old video game, a simple Easter egg at the end for a bit of silly fun. But suddenly the game becomes more bullet hell than simple shoot 'em up, and I'm positive even the most seasoned Dan Maku fan couldn't do it. After several taunts from the continue screens, you are given the opportunity to call for help and a cluster of additional ships join you, combining your firepower to win through this difficulty spike. It isn't until you notice that with each, with each death the words data deleted in the bottom corner that you get an inkling of what's truly going on. And then, after the credits finish, you are put in. You are put to the same question as every other person who gets this far: Would you sacrifice everything you've done, the forty-plus hours of content and gameplay you've experienced, for the chance to appear in the roster of ships for another player? Given the amount of ships I cycled through in my credits run, I imagine many players acquiesced to this choice, and I did so without a second thought. Tony, watching my progress <laughs> being erased screen by screen with a smile and choking back genuine tears at such a complete experience. Nix Fontana says, Roots A and B were a real struggle for me to get through, not necessarily because the story being told was bad per se, but rather it just felt okay. I went into it knowing that in order to get the full story, I would have to play through all of the Roots. But by the time I finished Route B, I was bored out of my mind, and I didn't care about any of the characters outside of 9S and Pascal. The same feeling plagued me during the side quest of the game as well, which had you traversing the beautiful yet empty world for longer stretches than I would have liked. 
Route C was the turning point for me in the sense that it made me want to see the game through to the end. There's a certain scene in this route involving 9S and a bridge that just hit me like a fist in the stomach. I cannot stress enough how well the voice acting and directing was done for that scene. It's at this point where the game, I feel, begins to reveal its true colours and it had me wondering where all of this would lead in the end. By the time I reached the credits of Route E, I was glad that I had stuck through the game to the end, but I still couldn't help feel like something was missing. I did not feel the wow moment that others did once they completed the game, but rather, uh, well, that was interesting before going on to other stuff. I think there is a message that the game, or rather its creator, Yokotaro, is trying to say, but at the time, that message went completely over my head. Again, nice to have another perspective, because again, I'm sure that you won't be the only person who feels that way for, for all of us who are choking back the tears through the, <laughs> the, the closing music. There's other people going, eh. <laughs> Uh, the DLC, I'd kind of forgotten about this and I, I deleted my saves now, so I don't really know how it even works if you've done that. Um, so the DLC is rather marvellously called 3C3C1D1194409279. Uh, it reviewed quite well, 82% and a bit from the eight reviews that it got. Did anyone play this? And I, I, so I know I, it unlocks in costumes, but yeah, I had I... the DLC, but I never actually ran into it. I don't think, unless oh, um, right. I, is is it the uh, the like arenas that you open up? I think it oh. might be. Um, I, I don't mm. know if there's more to it than that. I, I did go into mm. one of the arenas for a little bit. You can see kind of where the arenas are during the main game. Um, there's one out in the desert. There's one like behind mm. the waterfall. There, there. Uh, yeah. I think there's three or four of them all together. Um, but I, I didn't do a lot of it. I, the only, uh, other alternate costume stuff that I got from mine was, uh, hair dye. So I went through most awesome. of, uh, my second playthrough with, uh, to be as a redhead instead of having white yeah, hair, sure. which was <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's what the DLC is, uh, but I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Okay. Uh, in October 2018, 2B was of course announced as a playable guest character in Soul Calibur 6. And on February 2nd, this year, that's just a week ago at the time of recording, at the Final Fantasy XV Fan Festival in Paris, it was announced that Yoko Taro and Yosuke Saito would be guest creators for Final Fantasy XIV's third expansion, Shadowbringers. They will be creating the narrative for the new 24-man Alliance raid content entitled Yoha Dark Apocalypse. Little is known about the plot of the raid yet, as it's still in development, but the teaser image appears to show 2B or a character from Final Fantasy fourteen in 2B's attire. Uh, Gravity Rush 2 also has a uh, costume huh. um, for two, or a 2B costume for the right. protagonist. Nice. Back up a couple of weeks for our Gravity Rush 2 podcast. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy's doing all... Uh, crossovers are kind of quite a stock in trade for the industry at the moment uh, increasingly people have been open to the idea i think and uh, you know i'm fine with it it's a bit fan servicey and whatever else some things i think some mashups work better than others but um i could imagine if you were well into your final fantasy 14 um having yokotaro bringing something on on board might not might be interesting at this point um but yes that's a whole mmo thing that we ain't going to cover because it's too <laughs> mmo <laughs> Jobo Bonobo says, over the last few years, there have been many games that I've loved to bits, but Nier Automata accomplished something that all of those other games, regardless of their high quality, failed to do in well over a decade. 
After finishing the game, I went and replayed it straight again. There were different choices I missed, side quests I completely ignored. I wanted to see everything this bleak but beautiful world offered me. For a modern game, its world is surprisingly small, but each corner is filled with new surprises. The world changes as the story does, and the stories of the inhabitants reveal that both androids and machines are complex, feeling beings with their own fears and desires. This world felt truly alive. An absolute triumph in terms of gameplay, world building, story and music, with platinum behind the helm. The combat is an absolute delight, your characters move with sublime agility, and the mix of genres it presents melded together quite deftly to create a wonderfully cohesive experience. It has easily entered into my top 10 list of favourite games of all time, and it epitomises the incredible narrative potential games as a medium are capable of. Whatever will come out of Yokotaro's head next, I cannot wait. Simon Sloth says, overall, I, I adore this game. It just couldn't quite match my lofty expectations. It gave me more than 100 hours of pure joy, blimey, uh, during which I upgraded every weapon, finished every side mission and obtained every ending. After all that time and endeavour, I still can't bring myself to sacrifice my save to help other players. <laughs> You're not alone, Tony. One day I might... For now, consider this one caned and rinsed. And finally, for correspondence from this one rather ingenious little piece from Mark Hoog from the forum, who says, So much has been written about Nier Automata that I feel reluctant to add anything here. I mean, how much of what I say will actually be me? Won't I simply be emulating other people's feelings and opinions using slightly different words, trying way too hard to be unique, define myself? Also, how to reliably share thoughts, if they even are thoughts, on a game I played nearly two years ago. I was a different person then, so what gives me the right to speak for someone else? And if I could somehow transfer the experience freshly into my current self, what would it be but data? What remains of a memory without the passage of time? Heck, I don't know. What I do know is that Nier Automata is one of the most astonishing video games I've ever played. Nice job, Mark Hu. How to sum up a philosophically complex and also, uh, in terms of video games, ambitious uh, piece, 40 to 100 hours long in just three words. Well, that's what we <laughs> let you do on Twitter. Starting with uh, Brian. Follow us at Kane Rince. Pope for Moses says, laborious, dull, repetitive. Ben Parry, didn't feel anything. Call DPM says, wait, what now? Leroy Lemon says, existential despair simulator. <laughs> Jobo Bonobo says, machines are adorable. Nick Wirt, brought the platinum. Marco Glenn says, your heart real gem. Jasper Mekinen says, thought-provoking, devastating. Hunter G says, near, become human. <laughs> Johan, this cannot continue. And Pocket Code Jesus says, become as gods. Okay, sure, we will. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. Once again. Uh, well, because he's a monster, let's start with Tony <laughs> in summary. Wow. Um, yes, um, so <laughs> I've been struggling with this one because this is such a, a highly regarded game, um, even in, in the short time period it's come out. Um, and I did really, really enjoy my time with it. I, 
I do think it does suffer a little bit from um, the Jack of All Trades, Master of None in terms of both gameplay um, and visual style. But that's I feel like that's probably doing a, a, a big disservice. But I, I really did like the story um, and it did get under my, my skin. And um, there was moments I paused and there's been many moments after playing the game where I've gone back and, and thought and looked and, and then done some research and, you know, and I love games like that. Um, and I'm so glad a game like this can exist. Um, and so many people have latched onto it and, you know, the, the hype and buzz around it has made many more people play a game like this, but maybe they, they wouldn't have done in the past. Um, would I put it in my top 10 of all time? It, it never quite percolated to that, but I do think it, it is one of the better games of this generation. So if, you know, the conversation we've had on the show has interested you, I don't think we have spoiled it, but actually I don't think going into it, if knowing some of the stuff we've talked about will necessarily um, completely derail your playthrough. Because, like, you know, I think some of that stuff actually, you know, if, you, if you're seeing it from the outside, even in your first playthrough, um, is really interesting to kind of you know dig up you know dig apart and and and, and look at even knowing what's going on. Um, so yeah, from me, a, 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 an astonishing piece of work. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very pleased that I got to play this, albeit a couple of years down the line, without having it ruined for me. Um, it certainly made me want to go back and experience near at least uh, the western, the one that got localized to the west you should I do have. it yeah um even if it is a bit uh, uh, i know it's a bit quirky and janky in some ways but i feel like i've you know i've kind of made some kind of connection with what yoko taro is all about now uh, i like I very much like these sort of um this breed of auteur director certainly there's there's a number of uh, notable japanese ones whose games we've covered uh over the years on Kane and Rince, their games, which tend to be maybe don't always have the highest production values because they can't always get the, the budget. I believe that uh, Taro himself has a has a real champion at Square Enix who makes sure that his mm. games get made um, because he just wants to see kind of what's coming out of that mind next. And yeah, my concerns were that a, a couple of things. One, that it would be um, a game that was all I, you know, all style or all concept and no substance or because people were so reticent to talk about the revelations that it was going to be one of those really lame once you know the twist there's absolutely no point in engaging with it anymore kind of deals and i don't think it is even if you have listened to this Mm. podcast without having played the game i still think there's a lot to be gotten out of the whole experience by playing through it uh yes you won't find necessarily the the most uh high-end uh visual kind of uh fidelity or or uh, the highest polygon environments or anything like that but you will get some very stylish looking uh, characters and uh, a beautiful soundtrack and yeah a lot of ideas which actually i think he does actually he does have things to say beyond here's some stuff i read now go off and <laughs> make your own mind up well i do agree with the with magical ice pods feedback that there is as with all interesting pieces of of art and literature there are things for you to go away and think about but i think he did actually have some overall yeah and it's you know there's a thesis to it it's not it's not simply a bunch of ideas thrown into a game um it all intricately comes together there's some very high-minded sort of 
conceptual gaming concepts as well and on top of all that yeah it's a it's a pretty darn fun game too um if you yeah take that third person action character combat that you might associate with a with a bayonetta type game but actually take out some of the depth of that and in, instead replace it with some rather ingenious uh, rpg bits and bobs um you've actually got the core gameplay there factor it all together and you've got a really interesting game indeed that i would say is well worth investigation but yes you do not have to play it multiple times <laughs> that is very important to me to get that across you have to play it from start to finish which as i say involves one section where you see the same thing again from a different personality different protagonist viewpoint not the same you play it through once when you get ending e that'll do but do that do that definitely leah so I think there's a pretty significant difference between games that uh, are obtuse or dense because they want to be obtuse or dense and ones that are sometimes obtuse or dense because they have something actually to say that they want you to think about. Uh, and I'm not going to say that Near Automata is entirely the latter because I think that there's some of it that does tend toward uh, the former. But uh, I... I it's not going to land with everybody. Um, I I think that there are some people that will not uh, will not really want to engage with what this game does. Uh, but I think that for a lot of people, and I count myself among them, um, I would rather have a game that kind of really goes for it. Uh, and Yoko Taro is nothing if not someone that really <laughs> goes for it. Um, I I have greatly enjoyed the pieces of this uh, of this set of games uh, or saga or series or whatever you want to call it. Um, up until this point, I greatly greatly enjoyed both of my playthroughs through Nier Automata, and I would unhesitatingly recommend the game to uh, pretty much anybody. Uh, and you know, if if it doesn't click with you, then it doesn't click with you. But I think it's worth trying out, uh, and I. I might go back at some point. Uh, I have a lot of other stuff to play, but um, this is, it's up there for me. I, I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, it, it resonated with me emotionally and that happens more frequently in recent times, but still I wouldn't say it's something that happens a lot. So mm. I, I think that this is pretty special and yeah, loved my time with it. Would recommend. Great. And let's finish with Brian then. And talking about this, for the last couple hours, it, it, it kind of just brought out a lot of the same feelings that I had the first time I played through it and then playing through it again for this recording, is that I, like Tony, Near Automata probably isn't in my top ten of all time. I'm not sure if it is, if it cracks that from a, just a, purely from a video game perspective, but it definitely cracks the top of all of my list for, for pieces of media I've consumed that have made me think about it after completion. Mm -hmm. And... um. And I think my my sum, my thoughts can be best summed up by the fact that um, I haven't met anybody else in in life who who doesn't view the daily grind, the get up, the go to work, as kind of a soul sucking experience. Unless someone's very lucky to to love everything they do and to have a perfect life, which yeah. I haven't met anybody like that yet. And it's easy to kind of get dragged down into the to the mire of of all the things that can make us feel bad and all of our baser instincts that might lead us to do dumb things or to make us feel not great about ourselves and near 
is all of that wrapped into wrapped into one for me it's all the the baser instincts of humanity and the pain and suffering that love and loss can 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 leave us with but all wrapped in the message that it is an experience that we're all in together and and mm-hmm. that you know through perseverance and through hope and positivity that you might be able to do something at the end or leave a mark at the end that is an overall positive impact and frankly in uh, I'm I'm lucky to have replayed this recently cuz I needed that message in my life um over the last couple months so uh it's I I can't recommend it enough for for people that love like video games and like to see the different ways that storytelling um can can impact you cuz for me is it one of my favorite video games of all time maybe maybe not but it is certainly uh, a was a moving emotional experience for me and continues to be one that I think about fondly well, bless you, and I'm <laughs> definitely glad I let you go last with that, <laughs> for that heartfelt piece. Um, excellent. Remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah, and Tony, as well as all of our correspondents. Thank you, as always, Editor Jay, and to each of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you appreciate the work, the time, the effort, the love that goes into it, please remember to rate and review. We're always looking for more ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever else. That's good. Subscribe if you don't, of course. And best of all, if you really want to help us out, patreon.com slash cane and rinse. Gives a dollar a month, just a dollar, less than a quid. And get every cane and rinse podcast a week earlier, often extended. And an exclusive monthly podcast too. Next time, in issue 357, we'll be sowing the seeds of love in our Final Fantasy VIII podcast. 